0: Hello everybody, welcome to the second edition of More Room, Nice More Spass, the Faultier You're going to hear music, poetry, news, views, interviews, and anything else I choose to use as my mind flutters around and I join pieces together for a couple of hours. Don't be anxious if I suddenly start speaking in Irish. Uh, it'll just be a rough translation of the preceding English sentences. I've had a love for the language since I spent three months in Connemara on a scholarship when I was 12 years old uh, where I stay with a family near Rosmock and I wasn't allowed to speak English during my 12 weeks there um, except when my parents came on a longed for visit to see me every fortnight. Although I'm not fluent I still try to take every opportunity to keep my limited vocabulary in use. In the days since uh, I uploaded the first edition of this two-hour show, there have been a lot of subjects which have crossed and vexed my mind. Uh, In the first show, I attempted to provide a microscopic view on the plight of the Kurdish people, which admittedly could have taken up the whole programme. But I'll persist with the idea of introducing thumbnail sketches of cultures under threat by also supplying links for further research. In this Nice more Boss, I'll be casting an eye over Senegal by Meg or Senegal. Okay, I'm now going to go into reading mode. Senegal is a country in West Africa. It is bordered by Mauritania in the north, Mali to the east, Guinea to the southeast, and Guinea-Bissau to the southwest. It also nearly completely surrounds the Gambia, a narrow sliver of land along the banks of the Gambia River, which separates Senegal's southern region of Casamance from the rest of the country. It is a unitary presidential republic and is the westernmost country in the mainland of the Old World, or Afro-Eurasia. It owes its name to the Senegal River, which borders it to the east and north. Senegal covers a land area of almost 200,000 square kilometres and has a population of around 16 million. Its economic and political capital is Dakar, a vibrant city famous for its lively markets and rich musical culture. Elsewhere, Senegal boasts beautiful colonial architecture, secluded beaches blessed with world-famous surf breaks, and remote deltas teeming with wildlife. The state was formed as part of the independence of French West Africa and exited from French colonial rule on April 4th, 1960. Because of this history, the official language is French, like other African states, the country includes a wide mix of ethnic and linguistic communities, with the largest being the Wolof, Fula, and Serer people. And the Wolof and French languages act as lingua francas. Senegal is classified as heavily indebted poor country with a relatively low human development index. Most of the population is on the coast and works in agriculture and other food industries. Other major industries include mining, tourism and services. The climate is typically Sahelian, though there is a rainy season. However, impacts of climate change and other environmental concerns are expected to greatly impact the economy and population over the coming years. Until a ceasefire was implemented in 2014, the Movement of Democratic Forces at Casamance from 1982 had staged attacks on the Senegalese army as they sought independence or autonomous administrative division of the Casamance. The Jola's sense of economic disenfranchisement with Greater Senegal contributed to the founding of MFDC. Though the Jola are the dominant ethnic group in that area, they represent only 4% of the total population of Senegal. The Wolof dominate the nation as a whole. In another part of the country, the Sahel stretches from Senegal on the Atlantic coast through parts of Mauritania, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, Nigeria, Chad and Sudan to Etruria on the Red Sea coast. Culturally and historically, the Sahel is a shoreline between the Middle East and Sub-Saharan Africa. On September 7th last, Senegal recorded 124 millimetres of rain over the course of a seven-hour downpour. This is the same amount that would usually be expected across the entire rainy season from July to September. Floods have also wreaked havoc in parts of Ghana, Burkina Faso and Mali. The whole area is now also in danger from the activities of Islamic terror groups recruiting in the more remote towns and villages. Many brilliant musicians have come from the country with Yesu Ndour probably the most famous, with his global hit with Nenecherry, uh which is called Seven Seconds and that was released in nineteen ninety-four. I want to wish Senegal well by dedicating the next forty minutes to its wonderful music. Nale
1: Je ne peux pas me faire de me police. Abra tu la Sarah Bush, Sarah Pursu, you please that you do? Talking you take what you say, so much the nga car and the double This <laughs> must <laughs> aye. get a day, aye, day, I get yellow, but I come to aye. When they get a day, yellow, I come to aye. Younger, can't the mummy. Je suis un peu plus de temps pour le ramener. Je suis un peu plus de temps pour le ramener. Je suis de temps de temps pour pour le ramener. Je suis un peu plus de temps pour I'm very letting you hold the pop. My third, the summer ripen. You need and you So you talk ripen. I'm to a high. i take i to high. take Les gens qui Sénégal, ils ont appelé pays. Ils ban appelé le pays. Ils ont appelé le pays. Ils ont appelé le liñu nek dafa jitu suñu juddu ñogi dérange démb té kenn diko sañé tudd tudde you are you you forget Nigga love bare you you get you I'm get love, i I'm going I'm gonna you, I'm going
0: music free for you people. I uh, hope most of you got badges. Wear them with pride. Anti-racism badges. Brought to you tonight by Dublin South FM Radio in association with the National Action Plan Against Racism. The final act for tonight is a man I'm really looking forward to hearing again. We had him here a few weeks ago. He went down a storm. I had him on my radio show. Everyone loved him. He's uh, He's got a band in uh, Senegal. He's hoping to bring them to Ireland. His name is Sadu. Give him a warm welcome, please. Bye.
2: espoir, elle a tendu le cœur, elle a douci le mais It told me that we got to sing loud for Africa. Natural forces of syllable. Let's give the boys. let Thank you. qui me menace, j'aimerais que tu m'embrasses Oh, Oh, yeah Oh, got it, got it, got it. then you rely on I push up a guy in love for late Wow, hustle man are in the place I say, welcome, represent John of my boy Yo, yo... So bad. Thank mm-hmm. you. I don't know the So we got so so Thank you. Thank you.
0: A live set there by Sadhu from Senegal, which he gave as part of one of the many anti-racism gigs which were coordinated by On the Verge. That one took place on the 16th of February 2005. And Sadhu continues with his career, and you can check him out on sadhumusic.net immediately before that, uh, also from Senegal, you heard A Clou Brick with Ayo Ndeke, which was a single in 2018, and before that, uh, another Senegalese, the global star, used to endure with Bamako, taken from the album The Lion, which was released in 1989. Uh, of course, the west coast of Africa was also the starting point for the majority of African tribes' people who were kidnapped and shipped to all points west on slave ships. Uh, and then it comes, Ysaigwe, here's a new song by the 251s, it's called Slave to the Moon, uh, co-written and sung by my sister Dara McGowan uh, with her fellow band member Andy Hogg.
3: Short is the day, dark is the night Long is the evening without you by my side broken, but I
0: there with uh, a new song from his album which has the working title protest uh, that one was called the soup kitchen song and uh, this album was partially recorded in Berlin uh, thanks to Kjal for posting me his latest creations okay from the soup kitchen song to this during the famous Dublin lockout of 1913 the Irish national heroine Countess Margaret's set up soup kitchens around Dublin to feed the starving strikers, uh, along with a lot more uh, during their lifetime. And to find out about that remarkable Irish woman, here's an interview for a history program I produced and edited in which Eleanor Barron is interviewed by Dr Shane Kenna. Uh, this took place on the 1st of April 2009.
4: Constance Gore Booth, better known as Countess Markovitch, is perhaps one of the most famous women in 20th century Irish history. Born into the Anglo-Irish Gore Booth family at Lisadell House, County Sligo, a family which WB Yeats recalled as, and I quote, a pleasant, a kindly and an inflammable type, showing an ability in art for a time, it appeared that Constance would follow a career in art, studying in the Slade Art School in London in the year 1893, and then at Paris near to the close of the 20th century. In 1900, Countess Gore Booth uh, married an impoverished Polish Count, Kashmir Markovich, moving with him and his son to the Ukraine, returning to Ireland in 1903. The marriage, however, did not last long, and the couple separated. Increasingly politicised, the Countess became active in Republican politics, particularly in the na Neheron and in Labour politics. She would join the Inina in 1907, and establishing a Republican youth organisation with Bulmer Hobson of the Irish Republican Brotherhood, known as the FINA in the year 1909. During the great Dublin lockout of 1913, Markovitch abandoned her wealthy and privileged background to organise and run soup kitchens for the workers and their families. Working closely with James Connolly, she would become a founding member of the Irish Citizen Army and taking part in the 1916 Easter Rising, the Countess was second in command at the St Stephen's Green Garrison here in Dublin. Sentenced to death for a part in the Rising, Markovitch's life was spared on account of her being a woman. Released in 1917, she would go on to make history, becoming the first woman to be elected to the House of Commons in the year 1918, in the 1918 general election. But she would abstain from Parliament, taking her seat with other Sinn Féin MPs in Dublin the following year, establishing a Parliament called Dáil Éireann, in which she would become the first Minister for Labour. In the treaty debates, Markovich would staunchly oppose the Anglo-Irish Treaty of 1921, taking a prominent role on the anti-treaty side in the Civil War. The Countess would remain active in politics until she died on the 15th of July 1927. Now, to educate us more in the life of Countess Markovich, I'm delighted to welcome Eleanor Barron, a postgrad history student from St. Patrick's College here in Dublin in Drumcondra. Eleanor, thanks for coming in. You're doing a lot of research on Countess Markievicz. Thank and um, I'm really interested to hear about Countess Markovich. So who essentially was she? If you want to tell us a bit about her and what made you interested in there as a subject.
5: Great. Well, she was a leader in the rising. She took part in the civil war as well. And more importantly, she was the first woman minister, um, first woman to hold a ministerial portfolio in all of Europe.
4: Which is very revolutionary for its time. Oh,
5: absolutely. Yeah. I, I know... Alexandra Kalontai in Russia beat her to it by a year. Really?
4: Yeah, okay, that's okay. right. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay.
5: <laughs> there okay. you go. Yeah. So um, I think she's one of the most significant female figures in Irish history of the 20th century. And, you know, she really believed in equality for men and women. And she was definitely a feminist. And um, she paved the way for future generations of female politicians in Ireland and further afield.
4: So she's kind of a progenitor of women's politics in the Absolutely. country. And a, and a big kind of person who pushed along the idea of women's politics. She really encouraged women. Yeah. yeah, she yeah.
5: encouraged women to go into yeah. politics.
4: You, was, you yeah. said she was a feminist. Was she yes. involved with the suffragettes? Um, wasn't she, she She was involved with them. There's a particular story I have in mind with Churchill. They were campaigning <laughs> against Churchill uh, in Manchester, wasn't it? That's and, right, yeah. Um, yeah. A, a, a kind of a, a rather sexist gentleman stood up and said, Madam, can you make me a dinner? To which Markovic replied back, no, that. sir, I can't. But Or can you, make, uh, can you drive a car? with uh, four wheels or something like that. It was kind of a silly type of comment mm-hmm. that both people made but it was quite a famous time and they, they cost Churchill the election. But yeah. what was her role as a feminist?
5: She took part in a lot of different uh, feminist organisations <laughs> okay. um, like Anina and Aheron yep. which she set up with Maud Gon yep. and Coman and they produced newspapers and okay. she wrote for the newspapers. She wrote um, a column um, uh, A Lady in a Garden and that was very anti-British and it was all coded, you know, and she would talk about getting rid of slugs and snails from the garden, like getting... That was kind of a reference Yes, it the, was a reference yeah. to the British in Ireland, and I thought that was interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. There's something
4: you don't really think of when you think mm. of Markovic, that she has that type She of, was a
5: writer, okay. yeah. And she, she also wrote some plays and poems as well. Like her sister, Eva Gorbuth, she was quite a famous um, poet at the time, and she was a suffragist. I think she did more work for suffrage
4: suffrage
5: Suffages. yeah suffrage <laughs> it's um, a hard word you never get it. <laughs> i think yeah. she did more work for them yeah. um she campaigned in manchester with okay. uh um with Edith roper who was her very close friend and yeah. um they both did a lot for the cause,
4: she's kind of written out of history. Her sister, isn't she? She's she uh, is she's written, an underwritten yeah. figure in it. And, yeah, um, that's right. What aspect of Markovitch are you researching in terms of the research that you're doing? Um, in I'm, so I'm
5: researching her um, ministerial career. You know, during um, 1919 to 1923, she was minister for labour, and she did a lot of really good work. And it just isn't recognised. And she's yeah, like you say, almost ri- written out of history. Mm. She's hardly in any of the history books. And you know, they mention her. She she was the first to get into politics. Well,
4: there's very little books about her. Like, yeah, there's only six? only six. Yeah, wow. um, only six. Only six biographies. Yeah. yeah,
5: that's right. And yeah. some of them are very hard to find. You'd have to actually yeah. order them. So and anyone when, when who's you look interested... At those biographies yeah.
4: as well, uh, there's very little mm. about her time as minister. Very uh, you know, little. Very little They're, about it. it
5: just skims right over it because, you know, she's more... Interesting for her earlier life when she took part in the Rising and okay. the Civil War. And um, I think a, a lot of people have this idea of her as either, in one sense, mad off her rocker, you know, hysterical. And a lot of people think that because she was quite passionate mm. about her causes, you know, Irish freedom and... Um,
4: Kind of philanthropy as well. Yes, she yes, was she, she was well. absolutely. Yep. But and, um,
5: and so a lot of people also think that you know she was she was a philanthropist and she did so much good work and that's the way she should be remembered. But she would have wanted to be remembered for her fighting mm-hmm. and for her ministerial career. I
4: think. She's very like Pierce in some respects. Like Pierce would always argue that um, he he was attracted to lost causes.
5: Yes, exactly. And Markovich is
4: somewhat the same. Like coming from Mm. a wealthy, privileged background you wouldn't expect to get involved with kind of the causes of the working class or the causes of republicanism or nationalism or whatever like in in the early 20th century. I
5: I think um, the moment that she really got interested was um, she took part in the 1913 lockout. Um, She set up soup kitchens in Liberty Hall and she did an awful lot of work for the families of the workers. And this
4: was with Jim Larkin, wasn't it? This was with
5: Jim Larkin and Connolly. And she really supported the workers then. And I think it was then that she developed this... Uh, nationalist sympathy. And like you said, she um, set up the Fianna Heron and, uh, you know, she trained Boy Scouts in drilling and she took them up into the mountains and taught them how to, you know, shoot guns and everything. And they actually played a huge part in the Rising. So um, she was well-recognized at the time. She was a trainer
4: of people who were fighting during the Rising.
5: Exactly. And um, she... As you said, she was a leader in the rising uh, with Michael Mallon in Saint Stephen's Green, and then they went to the College of Surgeons, and it was there that she had this religious awakening that a lot of people talk about in her biographies, because they think this is a significant uh, departure from her Anglo-Irish heritage.
3: Okay.
5: Um, because you know she was Anglo-Irish and she was a Protestant, and she converted to Catholicism. Did she really? I she didn't know did. That. Yeah, okay. there you yep. go. In yep. um in nineteen. 19- 18 when she got out of Aylesbury Prison, okay. where she was staying for a year following that's the rising. little history
4: that you never hear Ooh, about, Margaret. There you go. You know, yeah, she converted
5: yeah. to Catholicism because okay. she had this spiritual awakening um, when they were praying in the College of Surgeons shortly before they surrendered. And um, she felt since then that she was actually a Catholic. And she was recognised um, fully into the church following um, her release. And um, you know, she was well-liked as a woman mm. back then, even though there were certain people who really did not like her, like a, yeah. um, Sean O'Casey. <laughs> Sean O'Casey really yeah. disliked
4: a lot of people, though, he, in terms of He didn't of the, suffer
5: fools The, the Irish Citizen Army, his
4: involvement in the Irish Citizen yeah. Army, he, he really... Didn't like a lot of people. It was Connolly he fell out with. <laughs> yeah. Fell out with Markovic as well. Uh, he, he argued they took it more along a nationalist road, didn't they?
5: Yes, he, that's right. And he actually left. Road. He left when she became a lieutenant. Really? Yes, that's right.
4: So that's that's one of the reasons he would have
5: That's heard. one of the reasons, He, yeah. he
4: did hold the grudge. I hope there's no one out there who's <laughs> related to Sean O'Casey. I apologise for Sean O'Casey listening as well. He is a great writer, in fairness too. him.
5: Yeah.